Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hello, and welcome to another episode of our podcast. This is Laura Burheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Sorry, I almost forgot that part. And I'm Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And today we are going to talk a little bit about how to go about choosing a dog. If you're into, if you're if you're thinking about getting a dog, yes. we're going to go into a little bit about how to make good choices. Right. And this, are we going to cover just real quick because we didn't talk about this too much beforehand? Are we going to talk about like if you already have a dog in the house too? It depends on how much time we have, probably, huh? Yeah. Okay. I think just just helping people. Um, well, look, one of the one of the most common reasons that we get called into homes is that people go out and they get a dog without really giving it a ton of thought beforehand. And they yes. get a dog that's either um, of an energy level that really doesn't suit them, right. a breed type that doesn't suit them. Maybe they get a young puppy when they would have been happier with an older, more settled-in dog. Or maybe they get an older, more settled-in dog with behavior issues right. when they might have been done better to go and get a puppy. Right. And, you know... Uh, there are breed stereotypes out there, right? I mean, Absolutely. there are certain general things, but I know that there are some dogs that don't always fit into that stereotype. And this is a really good time, I think, to cover that topic. Like, for in- instance, I had a client who got a Catahoula because they had a Catahoula next door that was just the mellowest, nicest dog, great with other dogs. That's great a dog with breed, kids. by the way. Yeah, for Catahoula. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a what is it, Louisiana yeah, it's breed? A yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, and so they got a Catahoula based on the temperament and personality of the Catahoula next door. Well, Catahoulas are not very common. And this was their one experience with Catahoula. And this Catahoula that lived next door was not your typical Catahoula. Right. So they went out and got a dog based on one experience with one not very common breed. Without really researching. Exactly. Right. And they were sorry for it. Right. Yeah, it's a really good idea. If you're thinking about getting a dog, first of all, to f- figure out ahead of time. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Laura just fixed my headset for me. Um, it's a really good idea to think about ahead of time how much time you have to devote to that dog, what your what kind of lifestyle you're going to be able to provide to the dog. Because yeah. making a choice about a dog, um, about what kind of dog you're going to get, is really dependent on what's the lifestyle that you're yeah. going to provide for that dog. Are yeah. you, do you live in an area where you're going to have large open spaces and you're going to take that dog out every morning and right. walk them? Or do you live in an apartment where you have neighbors right next door and your dog can't make a lot of noise? And you're maybe going to be able to walk them a couple times a day, but they really aren't going to get outside to get a lot of exercise. Right. Um, and the other thing to do is to really um, figure out what I think that's important is to figure out what is motivating you to get a dog. Sometimes people get a dog because perhaps they are are in a stage of their life where they're lonely. They're feeling some yeah. loneliness. And there's, but it's a temporary and passing thing. And yeah. then when their life becomes busy and full again they find that the responsibility of the dog was really more than they wanted to do, than they wanted to take on or that they wanted to deal with. And now you're looking at bouncing that dog back into the the system. Absolutely. Right, especially for a rescue dog. Uh, Yes. So I think for me, uh, when I have people call me to talk about, and by the way, it is always a wonderful idea to call a qualified trainer prior to getting a dog. Right. And then a lot of trainers will, will help you choose a dog. They'll go with you to help you choose a dog. I mean, I've had plenty of people say, well, we know that we want this kind of dog, but 
for example, my very good friends, Carol and Larry, who started out as a client, mm-hmm. called me. I didn't know them. They called me and they said, you know what, we have a parrot that basically has free reign of the house. He sits on his perch. Sometimes he gets down. He wanders around the house. We want a standard poodle. Guess what? Poodles are bird dogs. Yes. Yes. You know, they are bred to retrieve birds. They're wonderful dogs. But they are great. Absolutely right. can be And a so problem. these people did the very smart thing in hiring me to go with them to take a look at the litter to say which of these seven-week-old puppies I think would not kill their bird. And I narrowed it down to three, and then they chose one of the three. Right. Well, one of the big bear traps that people get caught in when they go out looking for a dog is they go out in a very highly emotional state. Yes. And whether they go out looking for a dog or sometimes it's just an impulse thing. They see a dog, they think it's really cute, and they decide, oh, I've got to have that. Without thinking of the logistics Right. Of actually owning and living with a dog. Right. Because I've got to have it is what you say about a piece of furniture, not necessarily about a living creature. Right. Because that creature comes in with his own ideas and sensibilities and behavior patterns that may or may not fit your expectations. Right. And so... And just because he's cute doesn't mean he's going to fit into how you think he should fit in. Absolutely. Or or people get a dog because they feel sorry for it. Right. Which is sometimes a terrible reason to get right. a dog. And to be honest, that's why I usually end up with the dogs that I end up with because I feel sorry for them. But I know what I'm getting into. And you know what? When I make a commitment to a dog, I make a commitment to a dog. And they're not going to go anywhere well, regardless. And when you do that, I know you very well, and when you do that, you go, if you feel sorry for that dog, you're willing to do what it takes to get the dog where you need him to be. Right. You're not looking for a dog that's going to come in and fit your lifestyle. Right. And I think that it is very common for people, and there's nothing wrong with this, by the way. This is There's no judgment to this. There are a lot of people who need the dog to come in and fit into their lifestyle. Yeah. Which requires to them fill making a void. A, right. But w- which requires them... Making a good choice from the from the start. Yes, absolutely. Because uh, you know, an animal is is a living creature. It it deserves to to stay where it lands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It 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 deserves to stay there. So, what's some of the advice that you give people if they're if they're thinking about getting a dog? Well, if they're thinking about getting a dog, I ask them, you know, what are their work hours? What do they usually do on the weekends? Because like, if they like to pack up and go on their sailboat every weekend or go off to, you know, someplace, take a weekend trip once a month, twice a month, and they have to consider what are they going to do with the dog. And I find out, you know, if they have children, how often they have guests, especially if if they're going to have a puppy or if they're getting a rescue dog, you know, they have to take all of these things into consideration. Um, I also ask them, I mean, the main thing is what, you know, what's their activity level, what kind of housing situation do they have? Do they have a house? Do they have a backyard? Do they live in a condo? Do they live in an apartment? Does the condo have a balcony? Does the apartment have a balcony? Usually I think of things as I'm talking to them, so thinking I, of them now is kind of tough. <laughs> You're on the spot. Um, I, I do the same thing, and I and I tell people to really research. If they, The majority of the reason that I have that people talk to me, uh, they'll say, well, I want such and such breed of dog. And I'll say, really, why? Because they're so cute. And I say, you know what? You don't pick a life partner based solely on their looks. Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, some people do. Those people usually, they usually uh, land in divorce court. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, So you have to take into consideration what is the temperament type? What's the What's what's is the type dog you're looking for? If you go into an animal shelter and you see a really cute dog, but it's cowering in the corner and it doesn't seem to be terribly social, that might work for you. Right. But you have to be prepared to deal with the fallout of that 
attitude. Right. If that's a if that's a permanent behavior, not just a side effect of the Being situation that it's in. Correct. Right. But you, these you are don't all know. things you have to. That's right. These are all the things that you have to to take into consideration. And if you see that, you can't make the assumption that the dog is just acting that way because they're in the shelter. Right. You have to to really assess. Okay, that might be the case. But if that's not the case, am I prepared to deal with this temperament? Am right. I am I prepared to deal with doing the work that it will take to help this little dog come out of his shell? Yeah. Or if he comes home and he acts that way and he's and he's lunging at my guests, is that going to be a real issue for me? Is that going to be because taking him home because you feel sorry for him and then deciding it doesn't work for you and then putting him back is harder on him than yes. leaving him there from the start. Absolutely. Also, when you're doing research, uh, one of the things that I tell people is when you're doing doing research, let's say you're going to get a puppy and you're considering a particular breed type. And you call around and you talk to breeders. Breeders are not always the only place that you should get information about a breed type. Yeah. When you call someone who, I, I had a client who uh, their, was getting their first dog. And the first dog that they got, that they'd ever had in their whole lives, was a male Scottish Terrier. Ah. Which can be a very, which can be a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. A lot of fun. But it's, it can be a little force to be reckoned with. Yeah. With. And with this particular dog, there were a lot of biting issues with this dog and um, in fact <laughs> at the time I was grooming and I was the only person who could groom this dog and nobody else would touch the dog because he was such a little pistol and he bit them and he and he was really tough and and part of the problem that they had was when they called and talked to breeders about the dog the breeders that they spoke to were really sold on this breed of dog and so right. they and talked they, about and they of course the breeder thinks that their dog is for everybody the most wonderful dog in the, well some breeders don't some breeders so are no, very realistic the, the responsible breeders yes. you know go well you know what my dog isn't this breed of dog isn't going to suit you. You need to look for something else. But I think that a lot of breeders, unfortunately, think that their breed is the perfect breed and will fit in any household. Yes. It's called kennel blindness. And yes. they believe that they see all the wonderful qualities of their breed. Mm-hmm. And they just absolutely look past all the things that could be considered a challenge. And they say, oh, this is a wonderful dog and this will be a great, great dog for you. And, and they put this dog in your home. And then you find out, Wow. This was much more than we were prepared to deal with. Right. And then you try to call the breeder to ask for help, and they say that you're doing something wrong, that there's nothing wrong with the dog, there's nothing wrong, they wrong blame with the you. breed. Right. right. Oh, I hate that. By yeah. the way, that's a pet peeve of mine, yeah. is that they start to blame you. Yes, you're, you're making all the mistakes, and the dog is actually perfect. The dog is, you know, this was the perfect dog for everybody. And you can avoid some of those mistakes by not only getting information from a breeder, I think you should call breeders, and I think mm-hmm. you should talk to breeders. But and go to some dog shows so that you can see the dogs and maybe talk to some of the people there and maybe meet their dogs. Right. And so a lot that you're t- seeing them out in another environment as well. A, yes, and a lot of times people at dog shows are a little bit more clear about what they have than yeah. when you're calling a breeder who wants to find a place for puppies. Right, especially if you get the phone number out of the newspaper or Penny Saver or whatever. Right. And the other thing is, it's a really good idea to get some third-party advice yes. to get the advice of a dog trainer or or if your dog requires a lot of grooming of some dog groomers in the area yes. or people that you know that are particularly dog savvy and please choose those people carefully because people who talk a lot about dogs are not necessarily dog savvy i'm talking about people who really are around dogs and around dog behavior daycare doggy daycare owners yeah. or doggy daycare personnel can sometimes be helpful dog walkers yes also have the potential to be helpful yeah. and get more than one person's opinion because when you're choosing your third party opinion you don't know 
how knowledgeable they actually are. Right. There are people in the industry who are very knowledgeable, and there are people in the industry who believe they're very knowledgeable and actually and not. They have a teaspoon of knowledge. Right. Yes, they have. Right. They, they don't. They don't realize how much they don't know. That's right. And so they they are not trying to deceive you. Right. They just they don't. just think that they that they know when there's so much more information out there that Absolutely. they don't have. Absolutely. Some of those people may have only met one dog of the breed that you're looking at. Right. And they're basing their entire opinion on that one dog. Um, Very much like my Catahoula people. Absolutely. Which had to have been so frustrating. It was. And then, you know, and then they had a child. And they had this Catahoula. And it did not work out. Oh. It was not a fun situation. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, the other thing about getting a dog from a breeder is I believe strongly that any breeder that you get a dog from who doesn't say to you, if there is a problem, I will unequivocally take this dog back, yes, is a problem. Because I will tell you that I have, I, I bred a litter of puppies. One litter in my lifetime, I did breed a litter of puppies. I know where every one of those puppies, there were seven puppies. I know where every one of those puppies are. And I can tell you that I'm in contact with all those people and they absolutely know that if there was a problem, they are free to bring those dogs back to me. So I knew when I when you I had that washed your hands of them. It's like ah, oh, once I got the money, I have no nothing to do with them. That's not my responsibility. Yeah, absolutely not. And 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 I when I bred that litter, thought okay, what's the maximum amount of puppies she could she could have, and what would happen if I had to take every one of them back? Because right. that's possible. So when you talk to somebody about potentially getting a puppy, if that's the route that you're going to go. Find out what is their policy on that. How do, how do they handle situations like right. that? And how many dogs have they had to take back? Because if they've had to take back a lot of dogs, then you have to wonder why. I mean, is it really that many people out there that don't do well with new dogs? Did they place the dogs into that many? Did they make that many poor decisions? Or is there something wrong with that line of dogs that is causing them to come back? Which brings us to the next order of business, which is when, you're, when you've are when you made a decision about what kind of breed and you've researched this breed and you understand that the breed, that the, the lifestyle that you lead and that, that you plan for this dog will fit according to the breed standard. Let's say you're going to get a puppy because we're going to go to rescue dogs next. Right. But let's say you've decided to get a puppy and, and you've narrowed it down and you feel that you're very comfortable with that and you've talked to a couple of breeders and, and you've gotten clear about about who you think that you would get a dog from. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I lost my train of thought. This is so frustrating. What were we talking about? Puppies. Getting puppies. Yeah. I don't know. You didn't signal to me where you were going with I that, know. so I can't help I you out. Know what but what I can do is say that, you know, ideally you want to meet at you want to meet at least the Thank female. You, that was it. You want to meet at least the female. <laughs> See, this is why we Yay. get along so well. We can finish each other's Yay, sentences. Hey Laura, she saved me. <laughs> you want to meet the mom. Because I know people yes. who have gone there and it's like the sire. The yes. sire's owner has the litter of puppies and the mom is nowhere around, yes. which I think is odd. Yes, I do too. Am I am I wrong in that thinking? Well, I think that it happens. I mean, I think that there are times when people breed dogs um, where they do an AI, say an artificial insemination, right. and they breed from a dog that's gone or a dog that is. Um, but the mom would still have area. to be there. Absolutely. Yes. Is it weird that it goes to the male's house? Kind of. There are situations where you get a puppy back, but I but I have to say that I would hope that a responsible breeder would give you access to enough of the the, the lineage, right. right, enough of the, the brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles or whatever, that they could give you a, a good cross-section of dogs to see what the temperament type was yeah. with these dogs. 
That is exactly where I was going. <laughs> I, I, in a perfect scenario, in a perfect scenario, I think that you should meet the the mother and the father. Yeah. And I think that if they act aggressive or strange or right. shy, right, that you need to take that into consideration. Right. I mean, they can be cautious, especially the mom. She can be cautious or concerned. Like if you're handling one of the puppies, she can be a little bit concerned, but. She should not growl at you. She should not snap at you, you know, for handling her puppies. She shouldn't be hidden in the back she shouldn't. Right. She shouldn't, oh, well, she's she's being, a, you know, she's a little bit, uh, you know, aggressive about people who handle her puppies. Well, sorry, that's not that's not right. That right. shouldn't you be an issue. Job. Right. Then you haven't done that's it, a, in my opinion. Right. You haven't done your job. And as the breeder, you right. should Because there's no reason that this, that this dog should be, should be that concerned about people... You know, yes, there are strangers coming into her house, but if she's if she's been socialized properly or if she doesn't have any genetic issues, then there's no reason that she shouldn't go, oh, yes, look, there are strangers and they're handling my puppies. I'm a little bit concerned, so I'm going to keep a pretty close eye, but there's no need for me to chase them off. Right, or be overtly aggressive. Right. Absolutely. Another big red flag for me is when you go to see a litter of puppies and the parents are conspicuously absent and you look at this litter of puppies, and there's seven puppies, and, and three of them are playful, and, and two of them are hiding in the corner, and one won't even look at anybody. <laughs> right. And what people tend to do is they tend to kind of gravitate towards that shy dog. Yeah. It, it brings out a, a oh, they need me right. person. And unfortunately, you have to really consider, what's at the root of this? Is this a dog that is just a little reticent, or is this a dog that actually has decided they're not that into people? Yeah. Because unless you're really, unless you're really knowledgeable... And unless you really have a clear idea of how to deal with that, that can turn into some... That can turn into some major fear aggression issues. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, it, and the amount of work that has to go into it to prevent it from going there is huge. And you only have a short window of time to do it in. So if you're going to take on that responsibility, don't wait for the dog to grow out of it. Right. Get yourself somebody knowledgeable to help you with this. Yeah. Immediately, if you're going to make that choice, I mean, I'm not here to tell you what choices you should make. It's yeah. it's, it's typically a choice that I discourage people from making. But if you're going to make that choice, then get on the behavior right, right now. Right. See, and but so, that is a choice I would take because I do. I because I would. But you're go a dog trainer. That. I know. But I know. You're a dog trainer. And it's not scary in your hands. It's not scary in your hands. Well, but it is scary no. in somebody else's hands. Yeah, it is. Well, because people don't see. You know, they don't see the end result. They haven't seen the end result in other dogs. Right. And I have, and so I know the amount of work that I've been put into. But I but I know where people like that are coming from. I know where, where those people with a soft spot in their heart for the one little one that's sitting in the corner that doesn't want to come out. And so I, I understand that. I understand going there. You but know what? the work that goes into it is tremendous. I understand it completely, too. The reason I discourage people from going there is that typically, frequently, not typically, but frequently, they take on that responsibility because they don't understand where it's going to go. And then down the road, when this dog gets larger and they're having these huge temperament issues, right. they want to now find a place for it to go. Right. And it's much harder to rehab that dog at that state right. than it is to recognize what you're looking at when they're little. Right. And I hate to tell you this, there is not a big farm out there where all the aggressive dogs have gone. No. There isn't. No. And there are a lot of dogs that are homeless that need homes. So... That, you know, yeah, that have nothing wrong with them. But let's say let's say you were going to be big-hearted and, and, and go help one of those dogs that need homes. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's say you decided not to get a puppy. And there are good reasons to get a puppy, by the way. I'm not one of those people who thinks rescue at all, at all costs because rescue is a wonderful thing to do. 
sometimes a puppy is a more appropriate choice. But let's say you have a home where you feel comfortable taking in a rescue dog. You take, feel comfortable taking in a dog that is in trouble and needs some help and needs someone to come take, give him a second chance because whoever took him at the beginning didn't feel the level of commitment that I think they should have. Judgment. And that I think they should have. Not judgment. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, so so you go and you choose a rescue dog. So how, how do you tell people to, to make an assessment like that? Well, aside from going think, with their heart, which is good, right. except that should only be a piece of the puzzle. Right. It sh- and, and I tell people, well, I mean, okay, can I finish the sentence here? Um, Sorry. If you know, no, <laughs> it's me. Believe me, okay. it's not okay. you. Okay. So a good thing about rescuing an older dog is that at least I think that any behavior issues that are there are going to show up. That you don't have to, well, you also don't have to deal with all the house training and mouthing and, and chewing up of things. Also. Most of the time. But, right. But their personality is pretty set. So what you see is what you get. However, I think that most rescue dogs don't show their true personality until they're into a home for four to six weeks. They're like on their the honeymoon period. They're on their best behavior for four to six weeks just so they can lay back and get the lay of the land. Mm-hmm. Right? And so well, your question was again, oh, so, what do I tell people to look for? Okay. Sorry. I was going to go off on a whole other tangent. No. So, 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 so let's say... What do they do? Do they contact a rescue? Do they go to the animal shelter? You know, what's, what's a good way to go about finding a dog like that and then deciding if it's going to fit with your home? I usually tell people to go visit the rescues and to find out as much information as they can about the dog as possible because if the rescue got it from a shelter, hopefully, you know, if the, if the dog was an owner turn-in, the owner gave them some information about the dog. If the dog was a stray, you know, if the rescue has had the dog for a little while, maybe they can give them some information about the dog, like if the dog has been fostered, how the dog has been behaving in a home, that sort of thing. Does the dog get along with other dogs or cats? You know, they may have that information. And um, they can see the activity level of the dog. I tell people to look for, well, what they want, I guess. I don't know. Where was I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You're just staring at me blankly, and I'm going, am I I'm listening. Not- I think oh, okay. I'm listening intently. I'm learning. This is me absorbing. Yeah. The fun dogs, Okay. Everybody likes the fun dog. Everybody likes the dog that, that jumps up on the side of the pen at the rescue, you know, at the adoption place and goes, pick me, pick me, pick me, That the, that's the really fun dog and that they could play slappy head or happy hands with and stuff like that. And that's a lot of fun. And so then that, that breed, that, that's showing the person, the dog's personality, but then that may not be the activity level that they want in their house. Right. The dog is fun right there. It doesn't mean that, you know, once you get the dog home, that the dog is then going to calm down and be the calm dog. It doesn't mean he's not, but kind of what you see is what you get yes. to a certain extent. Yes. And so if you pick the dog that's trying to dig out of his crate, you know, at the adoption place or jump up and down on the edge of the X-Pen, what makes you think he's going to be different than that once he's in your house? Yes. Yes. I think, and by the way, this is not me trying to sell you on hiring Laura or me. But hire Laura or Kim because they're the best trainers. But no, I'm kidding. But, but, the, but the thing is that when you're going to take a dog like that home, be prepared that if you start to see things that you didn't see when you took them initially, get help right away. Yeah, the behavior is not going to go away on its own. 
No, it's not. And and especially with a rescue dog where you've gone through a honeymoon period and some, some behaviors start to show right. up. Don't panic and think, oh, we made a poor choice. Maybe right. we didn't make a poor choice at all. But if you catch those at the beginning of their emerging in your home, the easiest way to change behavior is when a dog goes into a new situation. Yes. So if it starts to show a behavior or a behavior pattern that you're uncomfortable with, rather than panicking or trying to see if you can make it go away, get help right then and there. Right. To, to show the dog, guess what? It may have worked in your previous home. It's not going to work here. And this brings up another good point of my own. Thank you. Um, <laughs> oh, because you're not going to sit there quietly. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, a lot of times, you know, during that honeymoon period, let's say a dog is shut down during that honeymoon period, or he's just perfect during that four to six weeks, okay? So he's perfect, and we tend to think, oh, look, he, we make up these backstories to the dog. Okay, we think that the dog, oh, he must have been abused. Look, look, I was sweeping the floor and he cowered in the corner. Somebody must have hit him with the broom. You know, that's not necessarily the case. And regardless of what his history is, you have to treat him how he is now. And when we get rescue dogs, and all of my dogs have always been rescue dogs, when we get rescue dogs, there are rules that the dog has to live by in your house. And those rules need to start on day one. Because remember I said the, the during the honeymoon period, the dog is sitting back going, hi, I wonder how this house works. And because he's a rescue dog he's and because we, have this back, right, yeah. because we have this back story on him, we treat him with kid gloves. We don't require him to do anything. We let him sleep on the bed. And not that I'm, I don't care about sleeping on the bed. I really don't unless the dog has a behavior problem. But we let the dog basically push all the buttons and run the house and do whatever so that by the time four to six weeks comes comes along, the dog's going, oh, I get it. I run the place. Right. Right. And then once, once he figures that out and you try to change his mind, he's got four to six weeks of going, no, excuse me? Right. I don't think so. Right. Right, and in that four to six weeks or, or whatever the period is in the beginning, you have an opportunity to set up structure and boundaries that the dog can understand and, and that the dog will just naturally fall into. I think people feel sorry a lot yes. of times for the dogs and they make up that backstory that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. This dog must have been abused. This dog must have had this problem or that problem. And because they're in that state of sympathy, right. which is a dangerous state to be in, by the way, with dogs, you can feel some sympathy for an animal when you start making your choices and your decisions out Based of on. right out of this backstory that you've made up you get into some really tricky territory but when you start to set up those boundaries do it not thinking oh well i don't want him to have to think this hard you really do want the dog to have a clear idea. You want him to live his life with clarity, to understand what it is that happens in your house. And so that is the most fair to the dog. That's You're right. not changing rules on him midstream. You're not going for four to six weeks, oh, isn't this place lovely? We have no rules here. You can do whatever you want to do. And then after four to six weeks, it's like suddenly, no, guess what? Now there are rules. Right. That's so confusing and unfair to the dog. Right, right. And it causes as many behavior problems as you could have come up with right if the dog just came to you with problems so when choosing if you're going to go out and choose a dog bottom line if you're going to go out and choose a dog for your home first of all figure out do i have the time for this am i in this for the long haul what is it that i'm looking for will this work into my life today and five years from now dogs don't live five years guys dogs don't live three years they live you know, you have to look at this over a period of... Right. It's uh, for the long haul. That's right. And so when you make those decisions and you try to come up with what dog you want to get and how you're going to go about this, 
Remember, seek out information. Very, very important. Be realistic. Don't make those decisions just with your heart. With all due respect to your soft heart, Laura, it's fine for you to make those decisions because I know you. You're committed for the long haul and you know how to deal with behavior issues. But And I'm a really good manager. Right. I'm very good at managing Right. But for situations. the average person, that's a very difficult oh, it's, thing. Yeah. Because when they make those decisions with their heart instead of with their head, it's fine to be soft-hearted. I'm not saying ignore your heart. God knows, I'm a big softie. But also factor in the important issues with your head. If I don't have children right now and I'm getting a breed that's not true, too terrific, I'm not I'm not too concerned with how they are with children. Right. What, what age am I at? Am I right. in the childbearing years? Am I going to have a, a children within the next five or six right. years or, or ten right. years? Okay, I'm single now, but what if I meet that person and I get married and then we have kids? And what if I end up moving? It's possible my job could take me to Europe, you know, or England or Hawaii or someplace where my dog has to be in quarantine for however long. And there are things that are going to come up that you couldn't anticipate. But right. try to anticipate the things that you can. Try to make a choice about a dog that will suit your lifestyle, not just today, but in the future. Try to be as informed as possible. Try to get information from not just one source. And try to consider your sources when you're gathering information. Is this someone who's just sold on the particular dog? Even in rescue situations, I've seen it where people go in and the rescue worker wants to get the dog adopted really bad. Yeah. And they tell part of the story. And mm-hmm. they don't tell the whole story. And then they get them home and we get the call. And we mm-hmm. go out and look at the dog and... Ooh, and we know it's a bad placement. A lot of We can issues. tell right away it's a bad placement. Yes, yes. So hopefully this is helpful. Hopefully this is helpful to anybody who's considering getting a dog just to get you thinking about the things that you need to think about prior to bringing that dog into your home. It is a lifetime commitment. Not your lifetime, but the animal's lifetime. It is. And we... I know that the reason that we both can talk endlessly about this, because trust me, we're at the end of this podcast. We do have to stop. We realize that we're rambling on. But it's because we're passionate about it, and we just hate to see dogs bounced out of homes once they've found a good home. We like to see that forever placement. We love to go talk to people who've had their dogs for their entire life, and the dog's going to pass To be a part of the family. Until and stay a part of the family. Until they're no longer on this earth, absolutely. Right. All right. Thanks for listening. This is Laura Burhaney from Animal Attraction Unlimited. And Kim Reinhardt with Ain't Misbehaving. Thank you. You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, Or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. Thank you for listening.